that is a, uh, we do appreciate this church and the blessing that you are to us and the encouragement that you are, and we thank you for that. Um, it means a lot to us uh, to, to go out and to know that you're supported and encouraged by your brothers and sisters in Christ uh, really um, uh, does a lot for you. And as, as a missionary uh, and for our family, too, it, it means a lot to us. And so we do thank you for that. Um, I just, I'm going to spend a little bit of time and just give you a little bit of history about who I am, my family, and then I'll talk about the work for a little bit uh, before I get into the sermon uh, this morning. But um, I have uh, been in the ministry since my early 20s. Uh, the Lord called me to preach young. Uh, I surrendered to preach uh, after some time of running from the Lord or a little bit on that. Uh, my father was a, a pastor and a missionary, and I saw the sacrifices that uh, ministers make. And it wasn't something that was appealing to a young person at that time. And so I, you know, I felt the Lord calling me in my heart to surrender to the ministry, and I told the Lord, Lord, I don't know any young people that's preaching, you know. At, that was in my early 20s at this time, 21, 22 years old. I don't remember which one. but uh, And uh, so I, I told the Lord in my heart, I said, uh, Lord, I'm going to go do my thing. And then, then when I get older, then I'll surrender to preach. And uh, so I, I started off on my path for a little bit. And the Lord, uh, he changed my plans. And, uh, and I'm so thankful that he did. And... Uh, it is, a, it is a wonderful privilege to be able to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ with uh, people full-time on a regular basis. And I, I'm very appreciative of that. Uh, I started pastoring. The first church I pastored was in Hazard, Kentucky. Uh, and then uh, while I was pastoring there, I, I met my uh, wonderful wife. And we've been married for 13 years now. And um, I pastored for over 11 years uh, about there, I don't know. I always have to start figuring up. It was about 11 years. I pastored in Hazard, Kentucky, and in Corbin, Kentucky. Uh, during those times, the Lord began to burden my heart uh, with certain passages uh, that dealt with the fatherless. Um, and the Bible speaks about fatherless children often. And uh, through that, He burdened our heart to to open our home to adoption. And so uh, we adopted. Uh, Twin boys, Silas and Titus, uh, they were born here in Utah, uh, and that was a domestic adoption. And, and when we uh, had completed that adoption, just, I mean, just had completed that adoption, it was about six months after that adoption, we, uh, we were introduced to a hosting ministry and uh, sponsored uh, two children from Ukraine. Um, and they came to our home. And uh, hosting ministry is where you, you pay the airfare for a child that lives in an orphanage, and they'll come and stay the summer with you or the winter months with you. And uh, so that's, we participated in that, and uh, that's where we were introduced to Isaac and Hadassah. Some of you met uh, my two older children uh, while we were here at the Bible conference. Um, and uh, when, they, when they came to our home and stayed with us for the summer, we felt the Lord calling us to give them a forever home. And so we, we started the process of adopting them. And we didn't have any funds to do it. We said, Lord, if you're, this is your behind us, you're going to have to provide everything for it. We had, uh, the Lord had provided for uh, the, our, our first adoption of the boys. 
Uh, we'd, we'd sunk every penny we had into it, and we, we knew it had to be of the Lord, and he did. And he provided for that and, uh, and made it possible. But through that experience, and, and I, I was in Ukraine, and in total we spent nine weeks in the country of Ukraine, and there at a summer camp, we were uh, there with all, all the other children, orphan children from, you know, that was at the camp and, and trying to minister to them and talk to them. And, um, you know, there was uh, one evening we were coming back to the, our, the boarding school and there was a boy that was on a scooter. And he was, he was riding around with us as he was walking back to the, to the school and yeah, he, he lived there. He was one of the orphans that lived there. And he was riding around us in a scooter. And he, he was saying something to Isaac, my son. And, uh, and Isaac was laughing about it. And he said, he, and he translated for us. He said he, he said he wants to know if you'll adopt him too. Because they all knew why we were there. And it's a, it's a very humbling place when you have someone that comes to you and say, will you be my mom and dad too? Now, we couldn't do it. Um, but through, uh, through connections, uh, that was a... Um, um, on Facebook, Michelle shared that story. Uh, to make a long story short, there was another family there that had their adoption had fell through. They asked, does anyone know another, of another child that wants to be adopted? And that boy now, he currently lives in the United States. So he was adopted. But it was <coughs> events like that and the Bible laying it upon our hearts and seeing that, that he's calling us to more in regards to these children, orphan children. And so I, uh, the church there at New Testament Baptist Church uh, in Clarendon, Ohio, uh, our pastor is Jack Holbrook. Uh, he also shared a, a similar burden with us to, to reach orphan children. Uh, so I resigned as pastor and united with New Testament Baptist Church and currently go out under the authority of New Testament Baptist Church to reach fatherless children. We use the term fatherless because the Bible calls it fatherless. Uh, the word that is translated often in the New Testament fatherless comes from the Greek word orphanos, uh, which we get the word orphan from and also the word comfortless from. Uh, when Christ is talking and he tells his disciples, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. That's the Greek word orphanos. That's with the word, the same word. And it means those that have no comfort. They are destitute. They are without hope. And that's the children that we are, our ministry is called to reach. Uh, if you look at some of the statistics on our board, 85% of the children in juvenile detention centers come from a fatherless home. There's a common denominator between these children and the, the crimes and the things that they get involved in. Uh, so we did, uh, our ministry is focused in going into juvenile detention centers. Currently I go three days a week, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday to juvenile detention centers. Uh, Tuesday is my long day. Uh, I go to one of the state facilities there in Cuyahoga Hills Juvenile Correctional Facility. Uh, I go in at 1 o'clock and I don't leave there until about 8 o'clock at night. And uh, I have different groups of kids that I minister uh, to in that detention center. There's a total of about 175 youth in that detention center. From, without, from, from all over the state of Ohio, but most, mostly from the northern state of Ohio in that facility. Um, our ministry also is dedicated to uh, helping those families, encouraging families that care for uh, fatherless children through fostering. 
or adoption. Uh, so we sponsor a support group once a month. Uh, and we, our support group is um, we provide a dinner. We have different volunteers from our church that volunteer to come in and work with the children. And Michelle and I work with the parents that come in. We provide education to the parents, uh, just encouragement. Uh, it's, a, just a, it's a night that some of the parents say they look forward to all month long. Uh, because they have no reprieve. Some of them, you know, if you're in the foster care system, you can't just take your child and leave it with anybody. They have to be approved parents, and a lot of these families don't have it. One family that comes to our support group have, has chin foster children. Uh, so it's, it's a large group of kids that, uh, that if they can come in for one night, we have volunteers that, that work with their kids. That we have, uh, They take them upstairs. They have crafts for them. They feed them. And that night, you know, all the parents get together, and we just encourage one another provide education, training for them, and be there to support them. Uh, they come from all different churches and all different counties around our counties. Uh, our last support group we had, we had an attendance of almost 60 people. Uh, and so it has gone from just a few families to it continues to grow. And uh, sometimes we, we're, we're, uh, we're having to add, when we find out more families are coming, we're, we're having to run out and get some more food right there at the end to, to try to accommodate for it. But God is blessing. And and it's really getting out in the community uh, the work that we're doing. And uh, they know that we, uh, Children of Our Lord Ministries has a heart to reach children. Uh, everything we do is gospel-centered. When I go into detention centers, we call certain things programs, like I run an addiction prevention program. You know, the greatest way to prevent kids from using drugs is to put their hope and faith and trust in Lord Jesus Christ. And that's it. Uh, Jesus Christ is the answer to that. And uh, uh, I've seen going into the, the state-run facilities, which was a lot of chaos at first, uh, that the Lord has blessed to now the, the youth that used to, to jump up and down on the, or jump up on, on the tables and, and cuss the guards out and uh, just act like wild animals in there. Uh, now it's gotten to the point where they, they come in, they sit down, I have pamphlets for them laid out that they fill in the blanks, we turn in the Bible, we read passages, and uh, they actually cooperate. They, they actually now will answer questions and, and ask questions, which they would not do when I first came in there. And so God has blessed and, uh, uh, in regards to that. So in, the, in those facilities, I have a time to, to continue to work with some of the youth that are in there for long periods of time. Some of the other detention centers that I go to, uh, the, the youth are only there for a short time. So I go in there and preach the gospel to them and uh, just pray the Lord will work with them after they, they leave that. Uh, we do give them their contact information. I tell them whenever you get out, wherever you are, when you want to go to church, you want to stay in church, contact me. I'll come and get you. I'll take you in church. And we, we try to stay involved with their life even as much as possible when they're out of the detention centers. Um, on our board out there, <coughs> there is a sign-up sheet. If you're interested in receiving our monthly our, our, our mission reports, uh, you can sign up for that, and we'll see you see get that. Also, it's our desire as a ministry to uh, help advocate for children in regards to advocating to teach churches how to get involved in their own communities uh, in reaching these youth in their own communities with the uh, the gospel or. Per, what I've found is when I travel to the Lord's churches that there's a lot of people that have a heart to do something. They want to do something, but they just don't know how, and they don't know what ways they can. Um, I, uh, 
my wife and I used to participate and uh, sponsor a child through World Vision. Uh, World Vision is an orphan ministry that, uh, that you sponsor a child and, and part of your, your sponsorship goes to help feed that child or help that child go to school. One of the things that we couldn't do with the child that we were sponsoring was you were not allowed to proselyte. You were not allowed to tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that's out there like that. Everything that we want to do, we know the greatest need that these children have is to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. That's the greatest need that they have. And that is first and foremost. And um, I met a man, his name uh, was Stephen Yusimba. And he, gr- he grew up in an orphanage in Kenya of over 300. And he said something that you, in an orphanage of something like that, of 300, he said, you, uh, he said you, you, you don't cry. He said, you learn not to cry. He said, because no one cares. No one cares if you're crying. And um, uh, he talked about the caregivers. They, the caregivers didn't even refer to him by name. They just referred to him as orphan. And... Um, he said, but there was one lady that made a, a huge difference in his life. And she, he never met her, but she would write him a letter. And over and over, she'd write him a letter. He said, we had church workers that would come into the orphanage, and they'd work one or two weeks with us. He says, but this is something all his kids knew. At the end of one or two weeks, they were going to go back home. And so... Uh, he said, but this lady that would write him a letter over and over, she would write him and tell him that she loved him. And he'd read that letter and he'd just say, I couldn't understand how someone could say they loved me that never met me, but that letter meant so much to him because she would write to him over and over. And it was somebody that was consistent into his life. Uh, those are the things in the future that we would hope to and desire if the Lord opens up the opportunity for us to develop as a ministry uh, to take the Lord's churches so that they can get involved in working in the child's life through just a letter-writing ministry or something like that. Uh, so that's what that sign-up sheet is for back there. If you're interested in signing up for something like that, we'll keep you informed about uh, opportunities that, uh, that the Lord gives us that we can share with the Lord's churches how they can get involved uh, through a letter-writing ministry like that or, or in other ways uh, as, they, as they come up and share with you also the needs of the ministry and uh, what's going on with it. Um, I do like to share different things that I encounter uh, in ministering. Uh, it's been a completely change for me going into speak at a juvenile detention center. Uh, I had to relearn how to preach because the the kids that I'm talking to, I can't talk about and David and Goliath because they don't they never heard of who David and Goliath are. You know, I have to start from the very basics and the bottom of things um, and just tell them that there's a God and start from there. Uh, but every now and then, some of the kids that come in, uh, they surprise you with things. And there was a boy, and I, um, I, I mentor him. I go in on Monday uh, an hour early before I teach all the other kids, and I spend one-on-one time with this, this young boy, man. Uh, but he came in in one of the, the Bible lessons or Bible study nights, and, and uh, well, another boy came in first, and he said, Can we go over Psalm 23? That's my favorite psalm. And uh, the boy that I mentored, he was sitting there, and he said, well, can we go over Psalm 27, too? Because that's my favorite psalm. And I couldn't have tell I mean, Psalm 23, I, I can say that one off the back, you know, not quote it word for word, but pretty close. But Psalms 27, I, I was at a kind of a loss, and, 
And so we, we turned there and we started going through Psalm 27 verse by verse and just, just breaking it down for them. It'd help if I was in Psalms and not Proverbs. And came upon verse 10. And this is, this is this boy that said this is his favorite, favorite psalm. In verse 10, it says, When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. He later asked me if it was okay if he had that psalm tattooed on his arm. So we had to go into a discussion about that. There is no one that's going to care for these kids more than the Lord Jesus Christ. He is their answer for every problem, everything they need. He fills the hole, the darkness that is left from the void of not having a parent there to care for you, not having a father there to love you. He is a father to the fatherless. There is, when James 1.27 says, Pure and undefiled religion for God the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world, we have to ask the question, why? Why? Why is there a direct connection between our religious, our system of beliefs about God, and how we treat and reach out to those that are the most vulnerable and helpless in our societies? Because that's who we are. When we realize the gospel story, we are the helpless. We are the ones that are, are destitute. We are the comfortless. And Christ came to us, redeemed us from orphans, redeemed us unto himself, adopted us into his family. And he calls us to go out and to live that, that message, that story, that gospel that has been happened to us, to this lost and dying world. And those that, that the world would push off as being... Uh, unworthy. You're, you're not going to develop a. Uh, um, all right, put it this. Orphans have often been throughout history been considered the scum. Street children. Uh, in the Philippines, they actually take them out, and because there's such a problem with them, they take them out and they just shoot them. Those are the things that's going around the world today. In Russia, the the Russians used them as the recruiting grounds for the Red Army. They could take an orphan child that had no parents and they could teach them and brainwash them to do the cruelest things and that's where they recruited for the Red Soldiers from. The world knows that these are children that in, in some of their eyes are outcast, unwanted. But that's who we were. We were the unwanted. And God wanted us. And so we walk in that spirit. And we take special care for those in our communities uh, that are unwanted, uh, that have come to a place of comfortless. And we take them to the Lord Jesus Christ because he's the answer. And that's the heart of our ministry. And, and we, do, we do thank you for your support uh, and your encouragement that you are to us. And uh, please, I, I'm... I always get up here and I talk about it and my wife like, well, Nathan, you, you forgot to say this and this. And, and uh, so uh, if you have any other questions afterwards, feel, feel free to, uh, to ask me about them. 
Uh, I'd love to share those things with you about how the Lord's opened doors and different things. And um, I'm finding that I am I'm getting busier and busier uh, of with God opening doors that I'm happy to say, okay, I, okay, I can't go to this place now. I can't add another one because of uh, just getting spread too thin. Um, so uh, just be praying for our ministry uh, that the Lord. <coughs> Excuse me, I've got this cough that's been bothering me for a couple of weeks, but uh, that the Lord would uh, continue to open doors, but also as the Lord opens those doors, that uh, that if I can't fill all the opportunities to preach the gospel, that he would send other men as well, uh, and, and those other servants and volunteers and stuff like that to help uh, to reach out. And um, if, if you, if the Lord's burdened your heart about foster care or about adopting, uh, please talk to me or my wife afterward. We'd love to share with you our experiences, our, our, our encouragements in regards to that. Uh, it is not an easy road. If you have someone in your church that does get involved in adoption or foster care, please, please be there for them. Support them. Encourage them. Uh, so uh, I, I've talked to a lot of families that have left the churches that they were part of because they were uh, they had no encouragement, no support in their own churches uh, as they walked down that road of caring for children. Um, it is a, it's, a hard, it's a hard ministry uh, when you take children into your home that have experienced a lot of abandonment and neglect. And uh, so those families need our encouragement and our support. Uh, so I 